the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. It's great to be with you today on this fine Monday afternoon here in Southern California. It's getting hot. Getting very hot out there, and it will be hot probably for uh, quite a while. And uh, that's the summertime here. And uh, we've got the All-Star Game coming up here tomorrow night in Los Angeles at Dodger Stadium, home run derby here, if you're paying attention to that. It's worth it to pay attention to even just one game, even if you're not a baseball fan. Something to be excited about here in Southern California. You can join our conversation, 888-528-2557. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-LA-TALKS. You can also email me at SoCalLive at KKLA.com, SoCalLive at KKLA. Dot com. Let me ask you this question: How is your your faith? And I don't I don't mean in a in just a personal you don't talk to anybody about it way. Uh, I mean in a uh, living it out kind of way. Is it a a foundation for you? The reason I'm asking is uh, today in the news it was reported that a Southwest Southwest Airlines flight attendant was awarded five million dollars after being fight after being fired over her position on abortion, basically. And, uh, you know, her, basically she was fired over her social media posts regarding uh, abortion, and she dissented from the union opinion that she was a part of um, as a flight attendant. And jury awarded her $5 million um, because they said that she was fired over her religious belief, that the reason that she was actually fired was that she had this stance. That was her belief. And it started me thinking, you know, how far are we willing to really go, not just to stand up for our rights. So the the legal case has a lot to do with her rights and her rights as an employee, her rights as a union member. And uh, we'll get into that a little bit there. Um, You just to let you know kind of what the decision was here. But what if those weren't her rights? At what point do you stand up for your faith and how to do it? There's some question into, you know, maybe she could have done it in a kinder way. And that's what uh, Southwest Airlines will argue. They will appeal. We'll have to see where that goes ultimately. And, you know, maybe um, there's some things in it that, uh, you know, are the the other side of the story. But the jury didn't find at all uh, in favor of Southwest or her union. They said very, very distinctly that she was fired over her faith. That's what they said. And it's a victory. It certainly is a victory for free speech and uh, for religious beliefs that, you know, if you're a flight attendant, you should have a voice and uh, nobody should be able to retaliate against uh, you if you are doing it in a legal way and you have protected speech. And in this case, you have protected speech against your union. Did you know that? One of the issues that is huge is unions spending money on political subjects that maybe all the union members don't agree with and pushing different agendas forward that often have nothing to do with uh, whatever it is your work does, and usually left-wing stuff. I'm sure there's some right-wing examples out there, but it's usually left-wing stuff. And a lot of people, if you're part of a union, object to the fact that your union dues are going toward supporting things that you are morally opposed to or religiously opposed to. And it's a I think it's one of the reasons that unions are in trouble 
um, because unions aren't really there for that. Uh, and I'm not sure where – there's always been a political side, you know, don't get me wrong, to, to unions. But it really – they really have, at different points in history, been about better working conditions and better conditions for workers and industries and better um, relations for salaries and, and things like that. There's some good pieces of that. But at some point, they became advocates for things that have nothing to do with what that union is about. So, for example, case in point here – what happened here is that the the union that represents the flight attendants uh, used union money, apparently, and financed people to participate in a 2017 anti-abortion walk in Washington, D.C. And some members of the union were saying, hey, you shouldn't be using my money for that. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that morally. I don't agree with that religiously. And uh, you shouldn't be doing that. And the union people told them they can stuff it or something. And uh, it's probably not the term that they used, but that's basically the feeling that they got. Well, what happened here is this person ultimately sued um, because she was fired. And so there's there's a history to it. She wa- had been opposed to a lot of the decisions that her union was making, which you are legally allowed to do. And that's really the key thing is that you are legally allowed to oppose uh, decisions Uh, even opinions of union leaders or what the union is doing. That's something that you are allowed to do, and you're allowed to do that without the fear of retaliation, meaning that they're going to fire you or you're not going to get the raise or there'll be some kind of uh, problem for you. And what the jury found was that she was fired specifically because of her abortion views. Now, what Southwest is saying and they're saying is that she was harassing the union leaders by sending them pictures probably of aborted fetuses and things like that or posting them on her Facebook page. And uh, I don't know if she was tagging people. I don't know all the details like that, you know, which, by the way, you should know if you work for somebody and you put something out there on social media, you know, they're probably looking at it, you know, so it's, you know, just be aware that when you put something out there publicly on the Internet, it's there forever. It's there, and a lot of employers, they will say, hey, if you make a public representation of our company, even inadvertently, um, that it goes against the values of our our company, you can be in a lot of trouble, and uh, you can lose your job. And we've seen that a few different times in the news. Anyway, so she was awarded over $5 million, partly from the union, because they found that the union violated what's called the duty of fair representation, and uh, that they were supposed to represent her fairly and that they didn't. She actually quit the union at some point, but be- in 2013, she quit the union. But the the laws state that uh, you still have to pay dues. Are you in a union? I, I've never been in a union. I've never had a job where that was a thing. So, you know, maybe you, if you're a teacher or maybe you work for a hospital, uh, other places, you you are required to pay union dues, even if you don't want to, or even if you don't feel like they're representing you in the way you'd like to be Represented in this case, she resigned, but she still has to pay dues, which I don't understand. That feel I feel like if you can resign, I don't have to pay the dues, but apparently that's not the case. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. What I'm curious about is, and you know, I think about this: is are we a people who a Christian people who are able to stand up for our faith, even if it were to cost us our jobs? I'm talking with some of you who have made tremendous statements about your faith and have lost your jobs, or you have maybe been retaliated against, but you're not going to sue or it's difficult to prove. There's, you know, there's a whole lot of reasons for that. But our, you know, is our faith strong enough to deal with what essentially is 
a persecution over faith. I hate using the word persecution because, you know, we talk about getting murdered for your faith around the world, right? We were raising money for uh, Bibles for the persecuted church around the world. And uh, I don't want to conflate those exactly, but it does start somewhere, right? It starts in a place where, hey, all of a sudden, you're not allowed to think what you think. And that's essentially what she's being told here, is you're not allowed to express your belief that the position that the union is taking on how we spend money on uh, a pro-choice argument and send people to a march in Washington, uh, you're not allowed to say that. And you're not allowed to to really stand up and challenge the leadership for that. Uh, well, a jury found, found for her overwhelmingly. When you read through the uh, jury questions, um, they very, very clearly answer all of the questions um, has has the plaintiff proved that the defendant unlawfully discriminated against her by causing or attempting to cause her discharge and that such cause or attempt was motivated okay by her sincerely held religious observances beliefs or practices answer yes what the jury found is that the union went to southwest her employer and said we want you to fire her because of her views and you know, maybe she's being a troublemaker. Maybe she's you know doing whatever. Okay, well she's allowed legally. She's allowed to do that. I'm sure there's a boundary there, you know. And and I'll tell you right now, just Christian, that often the reason that Christians or anybody for that respect, but uh, Christians sometimes we lose in these cases because we're standing up for the right thing, but we're a jerk about it. Uh, don't be a jerk. That is, uh, it's a pretty good biblical advice. You can be bold, you can be direct, um, you don't have to be a jerk, you know. And uh, that, you know, I'm not saying that's what she was doing, but I'm just telling you that that's what they're going to accuse her back of doing. They're saying, oh, no, it's the way she did it that was a problem. Sometimes that's true. Sometimes we might be right on the issue, but the way we approach it is so terrible that uh, people can't stand to work with us. And it, and it becomes another issue altogether. So, what the jury found in this case is that that wasn't that wasn't what she did. What they found in this case was that no, she she wasn't a jerk to the point of if you even believe she was at all. She uh, was not. She would. In fact, they specifically said the jury was asked, would they have been fired for some other reason? And the jury said no. All right. Did you find that the defendant had proved that Southwest would have discharged her even if she had not engaged in that activity? The answer is no. They made it very clear that the reason she got fired was her view on abortion. That's it. That's the reason she lost her job as a flight attendant. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. I think it's important for us to see these things happening. Like she she wins here, but I think that at some point she'll probably lose, right? On some not her necessarily, but other people in the same situation we might. Would you stand up for your faith, your your conviction, even at even with the possibility that you might lose your job or lose your career? Is that coming for Christians? I think so. Uh, I think it is. I think that it's going to be harder and harder. And the reason is is because our faith ultimately goes against the narrative that is being pushed out there. Now, that narrative might get some setbacks here pretty soon, okay? Uh, that network, that narrative, I think, has gone too far for the moment. But what happens is, and by that what I mean, for example, is um, the teachers' union did a poll and released the poll saying that people are agreeing with Governor DeSantis in Florida, his opinions about whether or not we should teach uh, gender identity issues to uh, grade schoolers. 
that overwhelmingly voters across the country agree that that's not the priority, should not be the priority for schools. That the priority ought to be history and math and learning how to read and educating people. And the teachers union put that out kind of as a warning sign to the to lefties saying, hey, the voters aren't agreeing with this. And then we can say all we want to about DeSantis or whoever else is the person we're going to criti- criticize you know, today. Uh, but we're losing that argument. And so, you know, on that that point, I think that um, there's some room here. But I think eventually what happens is, is that maybe there'll be a, a big loss, uh, you know, electoral loss and some resetting going on, you know, as far as that goes. But it tends to come back. It tends to come back, you know, a few years later because that agenda is very clear. And by that agenda, the agenda is to deconstruct Christianity ultimately. Not everybody would say it that way, although many people in the the education world or the philosophical world would say, no, that is the agenda. The agenda is to deconstruct everything that is ultimately biblical. So to do that, you attack male and female. See, if you're if you're tearing apart male and female, then you're getting rid of Genesis one through three. You're getting rid of how God made us. Male and female, he created us, you see. If you I mentioned this last week too, if you're wondering why um, we seem to have trouble with uh, asking for human rights violations to be addressed by other countries. You know, President Biden's getting all kinds of grief about his fist bump, you know, in Saudi Arabia. And, um, you know, the 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 left reporters uh, are really upset about it because one of their own was murdered in Saudi Arabia, Khashoggi. Uh, the reporter that President Biden was supposed to ask about, apparently he did. He say, they're saying that he didn't. He's saying he did. There's a whole lot of back and forth about that. Um, but what, what kills me is that why are we so we, – we are able to speak out about minor problems in our country or, country, or issues with, with uh, how we treat women or how we educate people, for example – in our country, you better educate women and men the same. We should have equality with that. And we would scream about it if that's not happening. But And we would say it's immoral to not teach women, uh, girls. And we see that as immoral in Afghanistan, but the same people aren't screaming as loudly. And part of the reason is it, it comes into conflict, because if we are, if we're deconstructing who we are in the West, then what happens is, is that we have to also deconstruct everything we believe and we shouldn't force those beliefs on other countries. So we might believe that education matters for women, but if if Afghanistan, if the Taliban don't want to do that, then we're going to feel uncomfortable pointing that out um, because we feel like we're being colonizers now. That's why that stopped, by the way. That's why we're not challenging China on the Uyghurs, this is my opinion, but I think this is the the philosophical reason. There's always a reason. There's a reason behind the crazy things that go on, right? The reasons why we ask these questions. You know, why do we have, you know, country companies who are woke in the United States with one thing or another, but they they don't speak out against the same abuses or worse abuses that are happening in China? It's because the political pressure, the philosophy is different. We're deconstructing who we are in order to just say that there's no real truth out there, that there's no objective truth. And you have to deconstruct Christianity because Christianity does not say Jesus is just one way to God. It says he's the only way, the way, the truth, and the life. And you can't have that. You can't have a a moral truth that's ontological, that's real. And if you can't have that, then you have to deconstruct every single thing that says some things are wrong or some things are true. 
Where are you at? Are you able to stand up for your faith whenever your faith might cost you something? 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Let's go to Chris in Westminster. How are you doing today, Chris? Hey, Scott. How are you doing, man? I appreciate you. Hope you can hear me. I'm standing outside and it's kind of windy. Yeah, I hear the so wind, but I hear, you, right? I hear you just fine. Okay, I'm on my earpiece, so hopefully you'll hear me okay. First, I want to say I, uh, I appreciate you. You've been one of those uh, sort of mentors to me on the air as far as uh, uh, helping me with my faith. I like what you said one day about um, if you want to be a leader, leaders got to serve. Yeah. That really spoke to me, and so I just want to give you kudos for that because that really spoke to me. Um, so thank you. You're welcome. Um, as far as my faith, yes, I think I would, and I try to do it in, in a loving way, in a kind way, without being a jerk. I had a question for you. Uh, when it comes to street preaching, what's your thoughts on that? When guys are standing out on the street yelling with a microphone or, you know, somewhat getting into to arguments with people, how do you view that um, when sharing the faith? All right, street preachers. So uh, have you done that before, Chris? Um, I've gone door-to-door, and, and I've done a, a little bit, but I, I'm more vocal online nowadays and. And nowadays, I try to do one-on-one. If I meet someone, I try to just be real, try, try to start a dialogue, excuse me, is what I try to do nowadays. Yeah. Well, online, maybe that's the new street preaching, in a way. Online, yeah. right? People who are doing that. Uh, all right, Chris, I appreciate that question. You know, here's what I think about that. Just, I think that a lot of street preachers uh, aren't very good at it and shouldn't be out there. There are some who are pretty good at it. There are some who are, are really gifted at it. There's, we are always supposed to do it right. First Peter 3.15, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. The next part, though, we've got to make sure we keep it as part of the same passage, right? Yet do it with gentleness and respect. All right. That matters a lot the way we approach things with gentleness and respect. That doesn't mean don't be bold. It doesn't mean that you have to be wishy-washy. That's not at all what that means. Do it with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. See, so the street preachers out there, the ones that are good, If they're good, the Holy Spirit's using them, and people will stop, and they will listen, and they will ask good questions, and they will get good response, and there will be a respectful dialogue, at least coming from the preacher. Does that make sense? Where the preacher isn't just pointing at people and calling them names, or even, I've heard street preachers, you know, who are just cussing people out and saying, you know, God hates whatever group is on the sign. I don't think that's right. I don't think that's biblical. There's no way Jesus is walking around with that sign. Uh, Some of you are familiar with Brother Jed. I don't think Brother Jed is a a guy anymore. I think it's an organization or something because uh, he's been around too long to you know still be around. But we used to have a guy come to our campus in college. I know he's been to some of yours. Just cuss people out in the name of Jesus and just people walking by and chew them out. And um, it's not effective. And see, what would happen is the Christians on campus would then spend all their time around there trying to, uh, to get people to ignore this guy. This guy doesn't represent our faith. And, and it puts the Christians in a position of of defending the faith against the street the the uh street preacher that that would be an indication that it's not working all right that this isn't very good and i'm not saying that there's probably somebody out there yeah i got saved because of brother jed god can use you know anybody but the scriptures are really clear about how we do this 
you always see Jesus being kind, even when he's direct. And you always see the apostles and the teaching of Scripture with that command. Do it with gentleness and respect. Now, I also have known some street speakers who usually do it you know, appropriately, who have, in fact, another guy that uh, was a part of college. He's got a big online following now. He goes to college campuses and does it or um, other malls and things. But he'll get a permit and he'll go through the process, right? And he'll have a microphone and so people can hear him. He's super respectful. He's very bold. But he, what happens is, is he ends up interacting with people and it's frustrating. It's if you, if you listen to it, if you're there, you feel a little uncomfortable and you kind of wonder, but this person has brought a lot of people to Christ or this person will send you, send the person who's asking questions if they have more questions to his website or to another church. And you find that that person is gifted at doing it. And so I would say this, um, some people have the gift of evangelism. All of us are to be a witness. All of us are to be a witness to the people that God has placed in our life. All of us are to revere Christ as Lord, be prepared to give an answer for the reason uh, to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. That's for everybody. Some people have a particular gift of evangelism where they can go out into the world and preach the gospel and people will come and listen and give their hearts to Christ. Some people don't have that gift. They should be a witness to the the people in their relational world. They have some other gift. Uh, maybe they should be they have the gift of helps, or maybe they can pray for people. There's so many other things that people can do. So I guess uh, Chris, that would be my answer: is you know, street preaching. If if people are coming to Christ and it's respectful and it's done in a way that um, is useful, fine. But some of the street preaching out there, you know. It's shouting at people. I'm not really sure that's doing a lot of good. Uh, that person probably should go and just deal with the people in their life. All of us, though, have that ability. And I think the, the gentleness and respect is the factor with either either side of it. Are you doing it with gentleness and respect? There's so much built into those two words. Keeping a clear conscience so that people who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Some people speak maliciously against your behavior because it's bad, and they might be right. Don't make them right. Make them wrong. If they're going to speak against you, you want people speaking against your good behavior. That's what the scripture says, not your bad behavior. Your bad behavior is bad. Don't do it. All right, I got to take a break. 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to join the conversation. 888-528-2557. I'll be right back with your calls. Scott Furrow, Southern California Live. Stay tuned. You're listening to SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you, as I am each and every day from 3 to 5, right here on 99.5 KKLA in Los Angeles and surrounding counties. San Diego, AM 1210, 106.1 FM if you're in North County, 888-528-2557. We're talking about faith, and I want to challenge a few things on faith. In, In the context here, it is about whenever we share our faith or stand up for our faith, how do we do that in a way that is loving, effective, or God-honoring? You know, effective doesn't necessarily mean, hey, everybody just got saved who heard us. Effective means I did it well. You know, effective means is that God's going to use it for what he's using it. Some people are just going to reject. Some people aren't going to like it. Some people uh, might cause you harm because of it. That's part of it. But every day in our life, I think in our individual lives, just different things that we do at work or at school <clears throat> or within our families— 
we have an opportunity to be faithful. And I think we we lay that, tell me if I'm wrong, but do we lay too much of faithfulness at the feet of your pastors or your elders or the spiritual mature? And maybe we think it's just too much for for some of us. I think that it's it's simpler than we make it out to be. I think we make it complicated sometimes or we put it off into, you know, religious leaders or something. I remember somebody coming to my church one time and she wanted to know, you know, who the pillars of the church were. She, you know, she, what her deal was is she wanted to get close to them because she wanted to be important. And, uh, you know, as a pastor, you eventually realize this. You can you see people all the time who are kind of the same. I always tell people that, you know, wherever you go, people are kind of the same. They might have a different face and name, but the same people exist. You know, whatever church you go to and whatever place you work, they're there. So, you know, it was very clear. I want to know who the pillars of the church are. And I said, well, we only have one pillar. It's Jesus. <laughs> She got really upset. Like the look on her face was like I had just said something so offensive to her. And I was amazed at this, really, because I, you know, I didn't know for sure where she was coming from. Uh, you know, she was brand new at the time. And I said it with a smile on my face. And uh, but her offense told me something that I would realize was true eventually is that, no, she did. She wanted to know who the uh, the I don't know, the the church bosses were. Uh, the Power Brokers of the Church. There's an old book by uh, John Maxwell, leadership book for pastors. Uh, and he tells you that what you should do in your organization, if you're new, is you, you figure out who the power brokers are, not the bosses necessarily, but who is the, the Claude. He said there's some guy named Claude in his first church and whatever Claude said uh, would go. If Claude didn't like it, it wasn't going to happen. If Claude liked it, it would. And uh, you figure out who that person is, and that's where you you have influence. And so she was looking for Claude so she could have influence. I think that's what she was doing, and I was right uh, about that. You know, faithfully speaking, when we think about it, we have this charge. This charge is, is given by Paul to Timothy in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead. Do you Do you believe that? It's always a good question to ask when you're in the Scriptures. Do you believe that? that Jesus is going to judge the living and the dead. And in the view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge, preach the word. Before the break, we were talking about street preachers and uh, what is effective as far as sharing your faith. Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage. Now, it doesn't end there with great patience and careful instruction. That matters so great, you know, so much in this is that I think we would be in whatever circle we're in. If we feel like we need to give correction to somebody or rebuke somebody, it seems like such a strong word. And it is right. You need to sometimes you need to tell people to knock it off. Um, You still do it with great patience and careful instruction. It doesn't say do it with loudness and arrogance with a you know a pompous spirit no it's you do it with great patience and careful it's deliberate you take time in prayer you take time to think about words you want to say when you have to do it and you prepare yourself for the correction or the rebuke to go nowhere and interestingly enough in the same verses encourage do we think well about how we encourage people do we encourage people just on a whim or do we think about it and we say this person really needs encouragement and I'll bet that people need encouragement so much more often, maybe than correct and rebuke. There are times, and I think in in when you're with with somebody, it takes a while to figure out what you need to correct them about. You got to give them 
an opportunity, right, to really prove that maybe they weren't just having a bad day. Maybe this is something going on. But you also need patience and careful instruction when you're going to encourage somebody. You know, do that. And here's the reason. It says, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Do we live in a time when people will not put up with sound doctrine? Yes, 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 we do. Um, It's just the way it is, okay? Leah Thomas was nominated for the NCAA Woman of the Year Award. You know, that's pretty good for only being a woman for a couple of years and never really having to deal with a lot of what women have to deal with. She, by the way, um, Leah, uh, still likes girls. And uh, there's there's a prison in New Jersey that's got a problem because a transgendered woman who's really a man is put in the women's prison and impregnated two of the ladies in there. And now they don't know what to do with this person. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. It's not sound doctrine. And when we talk about this, it, it, it frustrates people. I can't believe we even have to talk about that. I heard somebody talking today about, did you ever think there'd be a time when we would have to have these discussions? I, you know, I didn't think so, but here we are. Except biblically, we have this whole idea. There will be a time when people do not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. It is in all of that, when we point out those issues, when we go, yeah, see, people don't have sound doctrine. Well, let me ask you, how do we deal with those issues in love? With great patience and careful instruction. That's a big place where we have to be, right? And the church is capable of it. You know, you're you're very capable of that. I know we're, we're all capable of that. There's a funny thing that I'll do. You know, sometimes you ever have this situation, maybe you're having a an argument that maybe is getting a little bit heated. Maybe it's with your spouse or you've, your kids or your or it's at work or you're doing something and uh, you're going, rah, 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 and people are getting mad and you're, you're getting to the point and say things and then the phone rings and you grab the phone and you go, hello, oh, yes, she is in here. Honey, the phone's for you. See, you have the ability to change how you're approaching something. You actually do. It isn't that you just get so worked up and you can't. You have the ability to turn it off, to turn off the, the you know, I don't know, whatever it is that is the expression that is not gentle, that isn't careful. We really do have that. And I think this is an area for Christians to work on, not just with the big issues of the day, the gender things and things like that. Those are complicated, but how do we have our conversations with each other? I don't mean complicated like we don't know which way is right. I mean, in a world that is kind of upside down, it's going to take a while to figure out how to communicate better in that. I think we're getting there. You got to do it boldly and lovingly and be right. It's going to take a while. But most of us, we're dealing with stuff at home. We're dealing with stuff at work. We're dealing with our school and our kids. And uh, if we're going to be faithful, then we need to reach out and be faithful. We must, Titus 1, nine. he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and to rebuke those who contradict it. That is the part of the instruction for a leader. But to do so, uh, to be trustworthy to the word, are we trustworthy to the word? 
2 Corinthians 10.5, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Is that the church today? See, we have that ability to destroy arguments and every lofty opinion that are raised against what's right about God or what is uh, attacked against God. We have the ability to do this. And you do that when you are following what the scriptures say. It really is an incredible thing. And I want to encourage all of us that we have this power in the Lord. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, which sometimes is our, you know, our computers. We talk about maybe street preachers are moving online. That's one of the places where Christians blow it the most. When we go online and we say, you blankety bank idiots, you need to love Jesus, you you moron. Uh, that's just not working too well. All right. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion. And I love that it's lofty. Because isn't it the lofty opinion? It is. It's a lofty opinion. A lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ uh, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Look at what is before your eyes. If anyone is confident that he is Christ, let him remind himself that just as he is Christ, so also are we. Are you confident that you are Christ in your faith? Can I encourage you to think about that for a minute? And if you're not confident that you're Christ, you need to understand something. He died for you. It's called grace. It's unmerited favor. If you're saying, I don't deserve it, you're right. You don't. I don't deserve it. My college roommate was not a believer, and the biggest hang-up he had was that he didn't deserve it. And it took him more than a year to figure out that was the point. And he just rejected Christ because he's like, well, I get all of that, and I don't deserve that, so I'm out. I think we do that to ourselves all the time, even as believers. That's where our doubt creeps in. I'm not worthy. I have done something terribly wrong. I, uh, I just haven't done enough good. You are worthy. Jesus died for you. He knows all that stuff. And he died for you anyway. Be encouraged by this. He loves you and he's given you a, a, a faith that saves you, that gives you everlasting life and also gives you the power to stand up for yourself, to stand up for the faith. Get into the word, know what it, what it is you're standing up for and do it in a gentle, appropriate way. And you'll find yourself growing in the faith in, in a very appropriate and a very wonderful way. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. We'll be back in just a minute as the Monday edition of SoCal Live continues. Don't go away. You're listening to SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you today. 888 Do you ever go to Comic-Con, the big one that's in San Diego? They have them in L.A. and all over the place, but there's a huge one in San Diego. It takes over all of downtown San Diego, uh, and it's super fun. Comic-Con requiring a new story today says Comic-Con will be requiring attendees to show a health pass and wear masks at all times. Uh Aren't you wearing a mask all the time at Comic-Con? I mean, isn't that kind of the point? I mean, do you you have to wear a mask under the Stormtrooper mask? That's what I want to know. If you're dressed as a Klingon, do you have to put the mask on under the makeup, over it? Do you paint Klingon stuff over the top of the cloth mask? Is is that going to be the deal? (laughs) 
there used to be a homeless guy who was kind of famous in San Diego because he he wore this wrestler's mask all the time. That was his thing. And he was a celebrity during Comic-Con because all of a sudden he wasn't a homeless guy anymore. He was just part of everybody else. And he loved it. It was kind of his thing. I mean, unfortunately, he obviously had other other issues, but he was just right in the in the thick of it. Comic-Con, it's a, you know, it's a convention of people who are into comic books and uh, it's kind of gotten taken over by a lot of Hollywood and a lot of uh, TV shows. So you'll go and you'll see your favorite movie stars and lots of people. And um, I used to go to it just and hang out like in a hotel lobby and you wouldn't believe the uh, celebrities and people that you would meet. Sometimes uh, people dressed like those people. Sometimes it was actually those people. You had to think about it. And, uh, you know, all of us have a little bit of a nerd in us. (laughs) Yeah, we do. We just really do. 888-528-2557 is the number. And um, 888-528-2557. I think that uh, the masking might be coming back as we are entering into, there's a lot of debate about it. There's a debate right now between whether counties are going to, if we get into this, which we are already, most Southern California counties are in the highest uh, degree of trouble with the COVID here. And um, is it going to be strongly recommended or enforced? And who's going to enforce it if you're going to do it? And different counties are having different uh, discussions about this right now. Uh, Dr. Fauci says he will retire sometime around the end of the, the Biden administration. Uh, which I thought was interesting because there's a part of me that wonders if uh, the president's going to make it to the end of four years. And does Fauci retire then? How's it, how does it really work? Uh, I think he should retire now because there's just not a lot of trust in what's going on. And we need to restore that. And sometimes the way you restore trust is you just remove the people who are in charge and put new people in there. And uh, hopefully that would really, really help uh, in the situation. We need to be, you know, before the break, we we're talking about the idea of being of truthful and sound doctrine there's there is sound doctrine not just biblical doctrine but doctrine as, as far as how things work in uh, the united states i've said for a long time and many people not me i'm not an economist okay but i'm on the side that says that the the amount of debt that we have is bad that we shouldn't have 30 trillion dollars of debt or 32 trillion dollars whatever it is it's going it's just outrageous. And one of the reasons that we have inflation right now, and this is an argument that's being had, but one of the reasons that we have inflation right now is the idea that uh, we have so much debt that you have to have inflation, that over the past, especially the past couple of years with all of the COVID spending all at once and trillions of dollars being passed um, for that, it you know, inflation was probably on its way because we've been doubling the rate of inflation or the rate of our debt uh, every few years anyway. Every presidency um, since President Bush has doubled the national debt. When Bush was president, it went from roughly 5 to 10. Over that eight-year period during the Obama years, it went from 8 to uh, – or from 10 to 20 – and during one term of the uh, Trump administration, it went from almost 20 to 30. And um, most of that was COVID related. And uh, it has gone back down to sort of its normal. But it's headed to the point where maybe after the Biden administration, if he goes the entire four years, uh, we might have $40 trillion in debt. It might have doubled again. See, 5 to 10, 10 to 20, 20 to 40. If your debt is doing that, you should be very concerned. 
you should be extremely concerned. Well, some people are saying that the debt has nothing to do with inflation, that we can just keep sending out checks and many, uh, many different uh, governments, including our own here in California, are getting ready to mail out checks. And I've said before, I'm not really against the, the checks we're about to mail out because I think it's more of a tax refund, but not everybody sees it that way. Some economists would say, no, it's still money coming from the government that isn't really earned. And what it does is it fills the economy in such a way that that the goods and services don't catch up to it. And the only way the goods and services catch up to it is um, through inflation and that that's how inflation works. There was an Obama administration economic advisor who was on uh, this week, this week, yesterday, and uh, he had some very interesting things to say about it, including he was asked this question. He was asked, uh, all these states, including California, are giving away free money. So different states are several states, Indiana, Delaware, um, California, some other ones are, are handing out checks in their states. And he was asked the question, does this contribute to inflation? And I was real curious about what his answer was. This is what he said. Absolutely. Every one of those states is raising inflation nationwide to benefit the citizens um, in their own states. Collectively, we'll be worse off because of it. That was a pretty (laughs) definitive statement there. Not not coming from somebody on the right. It's coming from a former Obama uh, economic advisor. Um, We got to change this. You know, in your personal life, do you just keep spending money when you see it snowball? I've been there before where I see it snowballing. Have you been there before? I have. I've told that story before. I don't have any debt now. I got rid of it. And the greatest thing in my life, uh, you know, as far as, uh, you know, an economic accomplishment is not what I have in savings, but am I able to actually survive by not going into debt? Statistically, maybe 70% of you have too much debt right now. And I understand that. Uh, it affects your life. I've been there. I've walked that way with you. I don't even know how you're managing it now because at least in my day when I was dealing with I could manage it because I could go to one of those check cashing places and write a check to cover the check I had written the day before. And uh, I could draw a line through the numbers in the bottom of my check, which would give me an extra day for the bank to have to hand cancel it, not run it through the machine. I did all kinds of games, paying off the credit card with another credit card. And uh, you'd be surprised that, you know, how clever you can get when you find yourself in trouble. <laughs> yeah, but it's not a really smart thing to do. And, uh, you know, it seemed smart at the time, but it crushed me. And it was I was managing it okay until I ran into a lot of other personal problems. I had a car that was a disaster, and I just had my student loans came due, and suddenly I had multiple bills, and I couldn't catch up with it, and it spiraled out of control. Our country's doing that now. we gotta, we got to get out of that. 888-528-2557. We've got time for a couple more calls. Uh, Linda in Los Angeles, welcome to Southern California Live. Yes, hello, Scott. Thank you for taking my call. You know, I was just uh, going to make a point right now regarding what you were just speaking about. Um, you know, Gavin Newsom sent out $600 checks right before the election, yeah. saying that it was a, a stimulus check. And he's going to do it again. Only this time he's saying it's a gas relief uh, check. Right. $100. You know, to me, he, he, you know, he bought votes with the last check, and he's trying, he's trying to do it again. It's all BS. <laughs> he's, he's trying to buy votes with, with a, a $400 check. Well, a lot of people and are saying that. it uh, just perfectly before the election. It is timed right. It's October. Like, he could do it right now. There's no reason it couldn't happen right now. 
uh, but he's waiting till. Oh, uh, he'll do. He'll do it right before the election. You yeah, watch. well, it is. It is. Watch gonna, my word. Yeah, it is going to be then. It's already been announced. It'll happen in October. Thank you, Linda. Appreciate your call. And I understand that it's. And that's kind of what I'm getting at. Is, you know, I don't. If you ask the governor, I don't know exactly what he would say about that. <laughs> I think he might say that, because I, you know, it was coming out in October, right before the election, and he did do it last time. What's going to happen is. You're going to get $350 for yourself. If you're married, you get another $350, and you'll get $350 for the first dependent you have. You don't get another $350 if you've got a bunch of other dependents. Um, so the most you're going to get is $1,050. Um, you know, I get it in the sense that we have a we have a surplus, and, you know, you could definitely say, well, if we have a surplus, that means we taxed people too much. You should give the money back to the people. And I'm really glad that it's going to help people. I really am. I think um, what I, I guess what I would say with it is this, and I've said this with the other handouts that we've got. If you're going to get a handout, which I think you're probably right, that's politically motivated, and uh, you know there's a lot there's a lot going on with that in here in other states. And I was amazed that 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 it doesn't help the that the uh, Jason Furman, the Obama economic advisor, could just flat out say, no, it causes inflation. It's going to make it worse on the rest of the country. See, you pay it back. That's the other side of it, is that you get this money, and you're going to pay it back ultimately because everything else is going to get more expensive. That's that's what inflation does. If you get this money, would you do this with it? Can you just pray to, first pray to God? God, what do you want me to do with this money? My suggestion to you is you you put it towards whatever debt you have and you pay that down or you put it in the bank and you save it. Um, You know, some people you need to put it in your gas tank. I totally get that. But if you have the ability to not do that, take a portion of it, give it to the Lord, whatever God's put on your heart. The rest of it, pay off your debt. The rest of it, put put in the bank because you're going to owe it. It's still going to be there. And this inflation period of time, it's not transitory. It's not all these weird things we're saying. It's going to be with us for a long time simply because we have so much debt and the economy has to catch up to it and we have to quit spending it. And so take care of yourself with that. That's my that's my advice. I've got some uh, experience with it because I've been there with you. I know how painful it is to owe Visa and MasterCard your life. That, that scripture, that proverb that tells you that the uh, the debtor is slave to the master. You are. I get it. You know, Visa and MasterCard, they own you. Pay them off. Own them. They don't even like it when you pay off your card every month because then you're not paying them interest. It even hurts your credit a little bit, oddly enough. That's a good reason to hurt your credit. All right, I'm out of time for today. We will be back tomorrow on Southern California Live. If you miss an hour of our program, go to kkla.com. Look for the program guide, SoCal Live. You get the podcast right there. I'm Scott Furrow. We're on every day, Southern California Live from 3 to 5 right here on the station. God bless you, and I'll be back with you tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Stay tuned. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.